Aquí lo espero con brazos abiertos, con mi cariño y calor. Hey, welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast, the podcast with strong opinions about things that we may or may not know too much about in order to broaden perspectives. Today, we have a very, very talented guest, the one, the only, the one that inspired many, Shelly Lares, Tejano music singer. Thank you. Thank you, guys, for having me on. It's it's great to be here, and I'm glad I was recommended to come <laughs> by my protege, Monica Saldivar. Um, no, it's 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 an honor to be here on y'all's podcast, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, your career. We're going to talk about your retirement coming soon. And then we're also going to talk about women in Tejano and how we can make sure to push them even higher. In the podcast, we do also have our guest co-host, Victor Villarreal. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure. We we also planned the hairstyle, you know, a little comb over. <laughs> his, his is a little more mature than mine, but... Mine's a little more Texan. <laughs> there you go. Was it closer to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> he needs a clearance, Clarence. <laughs> yeah, I, he's, just, he's on a New Orleans hangover right now, so let's sit back, buckle up, and let's go. Too hard, too fast. Boom. Ew. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. What's up, y'all? Your girl, LMD, Little Miss Dynamite, Shelly Lattis. And I'm super excited to be on Too Hard, Too Fast. I don't know about the word hard. You know, I don't go for that team. But <laughs> the idea. We'll go fast. <laughs> <laughs> The podcast of the century. <laughs> All right. Shelly Lattis. One thing well, we ask you. here when we find out when we find out that somebody in our podcast guest is a uh from San Antonio, we ask that San Antonio question. What high school did you go to? I went to Providence High School, which oh, is man. a all girls high all girl Catholic school. Yeah. I went to Catholic school my whole life since kindergarten all the way all the way through high school. Saint John Birchman. No, I went to I went to Holy Rosary. I went to Saint Paul, and then I went to Providence. Oh, so, nice. yeah. Well, I I almost went to a school that we used to have called Ursuline Academy, which was um, now they merged with Antonian because Antonian was a was a boys' school at the time. Now that's co-ed, but. Um, when I went to tour the school in eighth grade, um, I fell in love with Providence. I felt like the girls were kind of more like me, middle class and just a little more down to earth. And um, no, I loved it. And I, I loved my Catholic school upbringing because I learned a lot of discipline and structure. I like that. Were they, were they still giving us uh, slaps on the wrist with the um, Nah, they didn't do that. They didn't That's do that. They would just thing? give us. They would give us the nun eyes, the, you know, they would eyeball us. But then again, I, I had that look from my dad and my mom, you know, growing up. So I knew not to mess with that. But no, they actually, um, they were strict, but they didn't, you know, touch us or anything like that. Not, not, not when I was in school, you know, so yeah, they couldn't. Are you kidding? My mom would have gone over there and raised hell if that happened. Uh, would you, were you raised by strict parents, like very strict or? 
Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say like strict in a way. I was I was raised first of all by very loving parents, uh, very supportive parents. Uh, I'm the baby of four. Um, my sister before me is nine years older, and they're my sister, my brother, and my other sister are a year apart from each other. So I kind of grew up like an only child, if you will, because by the time you know they were growing up, I you know I was you know, they were already leaving when I was growing up, but. Um, but very disciplined. Yes. Um, you know, we don't question what mom and dad say and no means no. And, you know, you just do what you're supposed to do, but it, it was never like abnormal for us. You know, it's just, just the norm. And we have very, uh, old school ways as far as my dad, you know, it's very, he was a very, uh, he was the disciplinarian and, but also the very, um, the very core of, he really helped mold me into the woman I am today. That's for sure. Where are you the, the only child that, you know, pursued a career in music or even yeah. in the public sector like this? Yeah. I was the only crazy one to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my, my family is all musically inclined. My parents uh, both can sing. My father actually used to have a conjunto with his brothers before I was born. Okay. Uh, my mom, my mom sang with her, with her uh, sister, when they were younger, uh, my sisters and my brother all can sing. My brother was more the musician, if you will, like because he in high school he was in band and jazz band and marching band, marching band. And so I grew up watching him play guitar, piano. He was a drummer, so it, it just fascinated me at a very young age. I mean, as far back as I can remember, I was just intrigued by music, and we listened to everything in my household like all genres so you know from my sisters and my brother to my parents it's like you know I mean that's why I fell in love with the Hano music so much because it is so many things yeah that was one of the things that I kind of because I've been I've been a fan of yours for a long time I feel like your music has always just been very um in our background like in their family functions and parties you know and um one of the things I've always admired about your voice is your rasp <laughs> your deep, like your deep tone your rasp and um I was like was it was it a hard because I knew early on in your career you used to do a lot of covers mm-hmm. but uh, then you started you know writing doing your own music was it a hard transition to kind of fit into that Tejano with that rasp because I like I don't I don't think it was so um heard back then uh no it really wasn't um you know once I got started in Tejano at age 10 um which was kind of like a it was a weird story how it all happened. I mean, not weird because, you know, God plans our path and it's the way it's supposed to be. Um, you know, my, a band that was a, a, a Tejano Orquesta from here was playing for my sister's wedding in 1982. And my sister wanted me to sing a song with the band. I'd never sang with the band in my life. I was uh, a huge Olivia Newton-John fan. Like that was my Olivia Newton-John was my everything. Like I sang all of her stuff. And I love the fact that not only was she pop, but she was country, you know, she could dab into Linda Ronstadt. Hello. I mean, she, she was another artist that could do all of these different things, but um, my voice was, you know, at that time, um, it it wasn't, you know, very developed just yet, but I think it was for a 10 year old and for never having any kind of vocal training. um, You know, I, I sang it at my sister's wedding and the band loved my voice and, 
asked my parents if I could join. So that's kind of how I started to get into Tejano and recording Tejano music. But every artist that starts out, of course, we do a lot of covers because we don't really have our own original music just yet. So that's kind of like the norm for everybody. It wasn't until after 1994 when I had my tonsils removed because uh, I would get really sick on the road uh, from tonsillitis. And um, so when I got my tonsils out, like I just felt like my voice just, I don't know, went to a whole different level. And I started to use a whole lot of uh, raspiness because I'm a rock fan. I love rock music. I love Pat Benatar, Heart, you know, Journey. And um, so I just, when I sing with my raspiness, it's just more of a, uh, it's not so much just because I want to sing raspy. It's, and when I, when you hear that raspiness comes out, come out in certain parts, that's like when I'm really digging deep into what I'm saying, emo singing emotionally. So it kind of became my thing. Like everybody just kind of recognizes it now. But, uh, you know, that again, you know, Tejano music is really the only genre that I could probably, uh, you know, get away with it unless I was a hardcore rock star, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You have you have some uh, like country yeah, and songs in there that like, you do very well with, especially, with, you. you know, the, oh, there was one I was actually jamming out to on the way while I was texting you that I was stuck in traffic. I was listening <laughs> to one with Ram uh, Herrera. And, baby, um, don't go. I think it was Baby, yes, don't go. Yes. Pretty baby, please don't go. And yeah, you also have yeah. Islands in the Streams, which is not country, yeah. but it's it's still very good the way you sound on it. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, you know, I invited Ram to be on my album uh, in 2015, which was on Mi De Mi Corazon, and we did Baby Don't Go. Uh, I learned the version, because that's a Sonny and Cher song, and I learned the version uh, from Dwight Yoakam and Cheryl Crow. That's, they, they did another version, their own, and then Ram and I did our version, and it did very well. We, we won awards for that for vocal duo, and then my album went on to get, be nominated for a Latin Grammy for Best Tejano Album. And the, the cool thing is, is that just today, you know, the Latin Grammys were on and, um, you know, he was nominated for his latest album, Back on Track, which has Islands of the Stream. So, you know, it's it's just cool how it works out. But uh, yeah, and then when I do, I can probably use the raspiness in the country. I think I do that, too. And you know, my, my love for country music comes out too when I, you know, in my shows, because I love, I love country music. I've, I've always loved it since I was a little girl. And, and so one thing that caused a, a little bit of uh, controversy or turmoil between me, my brother and uh, Monica was that uh, Monica Salivar, we, I told her and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I hope it didn't come off ugly. And I, I don't think she took it ugly, but I was like, I'm a Tejano fan because of the of my family growing up. You know, we again also heard everything, but it wasn't. It was my dad's family that played Tejano music, but my dad, who lived in Austin, uh, my my dad, when we were driving from uh, Eagle Pass, where I'm from, uh, to Austin, all we heard was country music. So that's all like my good memories. Like, cause I always felt like when we were going to Austin. It was the like super exciting time because my grandparents had this big old house and all that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go play in their yard. <clears throat> so the country music plays the, uh, the part of like that happy memory of going to go visit my grandparents. Mm -hmm. The Tejano plays of like the happiness of 
the parties and the barbecues and all, you know, all my family in Austin hanging out. Uh, and so whenever I listen to Tejano, that's what I remember. And so I was trying to listen to as many Shelly Lattice songs as I could preparing <laughs> for this uh, uh, conversation. But the two that I kept singing, and they're probably the ones that are mostly played on your Spotify, are Soy Tu Amor. They just like completely, completely take me back. And yeah. so I put it on repeat over and over. And I was just like, <laughs> it just like it hits that memory. Yeah, it's it's so hard right now. You know, Tejano music, and and not only Tejano music to be honest, but the whole music industry, uh, kind of was is kind of still in a weird place. Um, you know, because music constantly evolves, right? So when people hear the word Tejano music, they automatically put it in the past. You know, um. Why that is, you know, we don't know. Um, we, because like I said, when I first started as a little girl at age 10, there was nothing but like orchestras. Like, if you will, you know, I was in, in an orchestra. So music like Little Joe, Ruben Ramos, that style of Tejano is what I started singing as a little girl. It wasn't until I got off on my own and I signed with my first record uh, contract at 17 did I start implementing more keyboards and accordion into my music because it was turning into progressive Tejano. Um, and then, you know, it was more progressive. That's when Soy Tu Amor, that was my first number one song in 94, um, you know, which, which I, I co-wrote with J.J. Reyes. Um, and then Ganas de Besarte in 1993 was like one of my biggest hits. It still is to this day, yeah. one of the most requested songs live. And it's crazy to see, yeah. The drum people yelling for it. Yeah, they, oh yeah, they ask for it all the time. And, uh, you know, so, so now we're at a point where in the, in when Tejano music was really popular in the, in the latter, mid to latter nineties, and then it started changing more Norteño, you know, Intocable, groups like Intocable came along and, you know, more people started migrating to San Antonio and to Texas and into the United States mm. from Mexico. And along with that comes with their, comes their love for Norteño music, okay? Mm. Norteño fans are hardcore. I'm talking hardcore. Like, they will spend $50 to go see their favorite artists. They will, they will support them 150%, whereas our Tejano fans got used to going and seeing 20 bands for $10. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was kind of like our fault, in a way, as a genre, if you will, that we kind of spoiled everybody. You know, we did. I mean, it was so saturated in the 90s. It was like everybody and their mother wanted to do Tejano music like not because it was selling. It was, yeah. it was, yeah. you know, but now, you know, a lot of the new artists are doing, including Monica Saldiva, are Tejano. Yeah. But they're also implementing a lot of light Norteño music, what they call light Norteño, Tejano light. Tejano light. <laughs> and that's what they call it. That's what they call it. And, uh, or Norteño Light, or I don't know what they call it, but it's something like that. Um, and, and you so can a lot promote of, a Tejano Light with your Miller Light. 
There you go. <laughs> um, when I, I, I would have done that when I was a Miller Lite. I should have done it then. Um, you know, but, um, you know, for me, I'm not a big fan. You know, I, I don't, that's just not my forte. Okay. Norteño music is not my forte. It's not, I will maybe do one or two that kind of, again, are a little bit there, but not completely. That's just me as an artist. Okay. I'm not going to do something just because it's popular if it's not what speaks to me as an artist. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I, I would rather not go there because fans know me too. And they're going to know that I'm not being real to who I am and what I bring to the table. But right now we're trying to find a place again. And, you know, in speaking about the Latin Grammys, I'm really, I, I was really pissed off actually earlier because you know, we have been fighting so hard for our category at the, in the Grammys, okay? We used to have a category in the domestic Grammys, the regular Grammys, mm -hmm. and we have a category in the Latin Grammys, the Estecano album, okay? This year, only three familiar, I would almost three, but Ram, La Fiebre, y'all know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Solido, they're more, Norten, uh, more Norteño. <laughs> Vilax and El Plan, who are two hardcore Norteño groups. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know them. Thank you. <laughs> made, it, made it into our category and won. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, so tonight, you know, I would have loved to have seen my, my Tejano, fellow yeah. Tejano brothers win, but yeah. that wasn't the case tonight. Uh, but what you have there is there's so many political things that are happening because they have when you go into the to, when you're going to nominate when you're going to vote for the Grammys as a Grammy member myself, you have about 500 plus nominees in the Norteño category and you have 25 in Tejano. Well, they're going to want to come over here because they got a better shot of winning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they but yet they don't call themselves Tejano artists. So to me, I, I, I'm like, if you're not Tejano or you don't claim to be Tejano or you're not playing Tejano, then get out. I don't think you, you don't belong here. I'm sorry. Because they don't, they don't openly receive us at all. Hardly. I mean, there's very few. You can count them on one hand, maybe two, maybe two Tejano artists that are from here that get accepted into that world. But um, right now, that's why I'm saying we're, you know, Tejano is so frowned upon right now. And it, 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 it pisses me off. It, it really upsets me because we deserve better. We deserve better. Tejano music is so beautiful, so diverse. And it's not only Mexican music. It's mm -hmm. American music, too. Yeah, it is. When Elida Reina and Stephanie Montiel and I did Las Tres Divas, in um, you know the early 2000s, we were nominated for best Mexican American album. Wow! And we were up against Luis Miguel, Mana, as Tejano artists, and and we're like, see, we deserve to be alongside anybody yeah. just like that because our music is just as beautiful, or not even more beautiful, <laughs> in my opinion. And I've always gone to bat for for my genre, but we're in a weird spot right now. And I'm trying to kind of make the new generation see that, you know, at, in this day and age, especially through social media, um, a lot of them feel entitlements 
yeah. because they're an artist. Okay. Yeah. And I always tell them, look, just because you're an artist doesn't mean you're going to get played. It doesn't mean everybody's going to like, not everybody's going to like you and not yeah. everybody's going to like your style. I don't, not everybody is a Shelly Lottis fan yeah. and that's okay. I mean, you know, I may not be, my music may not be for everybody, but that's fine. But I'm going to still be me. Exactly. But, um, you know, I tell them, um, you got to pay your dues and, and uh, always cater to what speaks to you as an artist, first and foremost. Uh, I told Monica that, I mean, like I said earlier, she's, she's like my protege. She's, uh, I'm her mentor and uh, not only in, in, in the music industry, but in life, you know, she reaches out to me. But, uh, you know, I just try to tell them, just stay focused on what speaks to your heart. And if diehard Tejano music, like progressive Tejano, even orquesta music, whatever, yeah. the old school Tejano, then implement that. Yeah. But don't just go with what every you think everybody wants to hear. That's kind of like what we had touched on because I had posed the question, why do you, why do I hear people talking that Tejano music is dying? Like, I don't feel maybe because we're here in the the heart of it, you know, here in San Antonio, Dallas, Austin area. Well, maybe not Austin, but uh, you know, Dallas and San Antonio, we we you know we have the Tejano explosion. Everything's going on. All that's all we hear is the Tejano music. So to me, Tejano's not not dying, but I guess I hear it a lot to the fact it's like, well, you know, what is going on? And then you right now you're painting a different picture than we talked with Monica because. You know, Monica started now, and she's she's uh, well. I shouldn't say just started now. She's she's big. She's big time, but um, she's newer to her. She's seen how people are trying to transition. Where you have seen, you know, it actually. You know, you lived through the through the high time. I lived through, yeah. I lived through multiple transitions. Yeah. Exactly. I've been through multiple changes of Tejano music. If you know the evolution, if you will. Of Tejano. And I'm glad I started in 1982 because I was playing alongside some bad ass mofos. Trust me. Um, let's talk about the women that were in the industry when I started. Laura Canales, Janice Ramirez, Patsy Torres, Elsa Garcia, Selena, Linda Escobar, Lisa Lopez. There were seven women that were in this industry and only seven. I'm when only, I started, I'm only seven. So, but but if you look at all of them and their track record, and see, uh, it, there's so many things to to kind of say that kind of took place into the to the downfall, if you will, or to the lack of respect that the Hano music has, and that is substance. Um, with technology comes everybody thinks they can do it. Okay. Um, Everybody thinks they can get a a recording thing and everybody's a producer now. And that's not how it works. Everybody's a podcaster now. No, (laughs) no, I mean, mean, it's okay. (laughs) But it's not, you're talking about when I work in the studio, I work about 350 hours per album. So I'm a perfectionist, um, you know, as a producer and as an arranger and a writer of my own music, you know, I know how I want it to sound and not everybody has the ear for that. But now, like, again, through social media, they get these likes and they think, oh, that's it. They made it. They deserve to win awards. They deserve to be on all the charts. They deserve to, you know, make their own records at home. And, and then they lose 
the substance of what comes out for the fans. Um, you know, when internet radio started coming along, that really screwed us up, man. Um, they thought it was helping us. I thought it was going to help us because I was like, here it is, man. All we needed was to be able to be heard on the other side of the world, right? That's what what the Hano music needed. Right. Wrong. They came in, started all of these internet stations, and were playing crappy songs. Yes. Um, artists were singing off key. The 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 mixes of the and the arrangements were just not all of them, guys. I'm not I'm not saying every artist, okay? I'm just saying a lot of them. Right. And um, not only that, as a songwriter and as a song publisher who makes a living off royalties, when you open an Internet station, you have to pay licensing fees. Okay, And when you do not, we don't get paid. Wow. So so many Internet stations were coming along and not doing that. We're not being legit. So I became very vocal about that. Some didn't like it. But when I would break it down to them with the, <clears throat> on the business side, because that's another thing. People want to start things and not do it from a business sense. Well, guess what? You're not going to succeed for very – you're not going to be in this game very long. Yeah. And was it, was it sold as, well, they're getting exposure. So that's how they're yes. getting put down. Yes. Absolutely. But then are they, you know, one of the things I've had about internet radio is like, for example, you put uh, in Pandora, you put Jay Perez radio. Sometimes it's like one song, the Jay Perez and nothing else. And, and yeah. you know, now that you were saying like seven, seven uh, women artists in Tejano when you started, to be really honest, I, I never even heard women Tejano like on the radio. Until, really? Until, yeah, you have to like physically or or just go and ask for it. If you knew the song, you had to ask for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, then, yes. Oh, man. When I started, there was only shoe, man. We wouldn't hear women for shit. Like until we would only hear like a woman every two hours back yeah. in the day. Um, now there's a lot. And, and I do have to commend a lot of the women because they have stepped up their game. Yeah. Um, you know, and and plus... A lot of them have reached out to me and, uh, I, you know, I don't sugarcoat stuff. Okay. But I'm not expecting them to do what I did. Okay. Yeah. Because my journey is different than their journey and their, diff their journeys are different from each other's, but I am going to tell them the do's and don'ts that I learned along the way that maybe I learned the hard way. And I'm trying to give them the heads up, you know, look, this is what we got to do. But as far as an industry together, right? Our level of the standard has gone down so much, even our, from our award shows to, uh, you know, like I said, the radio programming, man, you know how hard it was for us when, when, when Tejano went FM, it was hard for us to get on that station. We had to work. We had to lobby for ourselves with the program directors, like to get played. Mm -hmm. And and why is that? Because the program directors had a certain standard of music. And, and I tell the new artists, go back, listen to our stuff in the 90s. And you tell me if those recordings were bad. They were top-notch recordings. Yeah. It was expensive. But if you want something good, you've got to spend the money. Yeah. And if you can't do it, then wait till you have the money to do so. Yeah. That's just what I tell them. You know, don't just do it because... You just want to do it and everybody has a dream and I, I get it, 
But at the same time, you got to be smart. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and that's one thing that we have to learn is it is a business, man. It, it, it is. It can be. You can do it as a living like I do. But it, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. yeah. But anything, anything that is worth it is never easy, though, right? In the long run. How, my father used to tell me when I was a little girl, when I would go to the Tejano Music Awards when I was 10, 11 years old, he would tell me, okay, mija, we're going to go into the, because they would have big nominees dance at the Henry B. Gonzalez. And he would be like, we're going to go in. You introduce yourself, you shake their hand, and you look them in the eye. That's what you do. So I would walk in. Hi, my name is Shelly Lottis. I'm a new artist. You know, um, my music is here, 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 blah, blah, blah. And he used to tell me, nobody is going to remember you by one hit and then you're gone. They're going to remember you and have respect for you for the longevity and the stamina that you have in this industry. Mm-hmm. And here I am going to be celebrating 40 years. Wow. So you see, it, it, it's, it's, it's been a long road and I have seen the transition, man. Oh, God. I mean, it's had its good days and its bad days. But the Hano music is my family. And it's just like any other relationship. Some days are good. Some days are bad. You know, you gotta work but, uh, <laughs> right. You got to work for it. But but our, our level of standard needs to come up again. Yeah. That's and, and we need to fight for our genre, man. That's definitely um, true. I, I, I feel you on that part because I feel I feel I feel a close connection to the Hano music because we're from Texas. And right. I'll be the first one to say I'm a, I'll go up to the north. Like I'll go to New York or somewhere in Cali in California. And I'm out there blaring Tejano music because that's then, what it, you know, you know, yeah. So that, you know, uh, you were talking about that. You like, you know, country music and that you have good memories. When I recorded in Nashville in 1996 through Sony music and I recorded with Vince Gill, one of the top artists of country music ever. I recorded with Vince Gill. Which, by the way, I will say I've tried to find and I could not find the song. Well, he is on. If you if you've heard my song, Siempre Esperaré, which was. You see, he was me in Spanish on that song. That's him in the background. Um, he sings with me on Blue Bayou. Uh, he sings with me on um, uh, a song that I have on my Shelly album called uh, You're All That I'm Living For. Um, he also sang uh, and wrote a song for me on the same album called Blame It On Love. Which That's is okay. A- That's where I thought I heard him from. Blame it on love, but when I was looking at the video or the, the, the description... He wasn't like it didn't have the feature, so I was like, "Yeah, he's, there's no way." She yeah, there's no feature. No, he's on always on. He's only on the actual album credit. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, on the album credit, uh, but he was on all over that Shelley album in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> he had a badass studio called Soundstage, and they have uh, room A, room B, room C, and I was in room B. Room A was Trisha Yearwood. Room C was a guy named Ty Herndon, who was really big in the 90s. And uh, we were mixing my Tejano stuff there, too, in Nashville. And everybody, even Trisha Year, everybody came in when they heard our Tejano. They were like, what is that? <laughs> we like 
like, you know, they yeah. didn't, but they, because why? Because they hear something similar. They hear maybe the country feel the Texas in us, right? Yes. Or, or some, you, the Hano music will always, any genre, any freaking genre that you, that comes into our genre, will hear something similar. Reggae, reggaeton, mariachi, uh, you know, country, jazz, salsa, anything. You will hear something similar in our genre because that has been our blessing and our curse. The Hano music has has been so many things. And because it's been so many things, corporate America doesn't know where to put us. Yeah. I'm wondering right now as we're talking about like, you know, the the feels, because also the thing that I grew up with, obviously, you know, listening to country, jamming out country, the only Mexican probably in my town that was jamming out country from their truck. And I got the, dude, you know how brown you are? Like, why are you listening (laughs) to that? But it I, would always it? Say, I mean, you're from Texas. Yeah. I mean, you're from Texas. It's there. It's just like we're influenced by conjunto or, or, or you know, we, you know, things like that. I mean, mariachi. I mean, yeah. it, but, it's and, just and so what I tried to explain to them, and I could never for the longest time until they, I guess they finally moved away from our small border town that they understood what I was trying to explain to them is that, you know, Tejano and country. You, they almost sing about the same things, you know, broken yes. uh, or lost love, uh, broken heart or partying, you know, whatever it is. It's almost the same thing, guys. It's just Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I use Willie Nelson as an example a lot because my brother listened to Willie Nelson a lot. So I, I loved his music. I loved when he did the uh, the album uh, from the movie Honeysuckle Rose, um, you know, where it had On the Road Again and all those songs. Right. Uh, my brother always listen to that album and um but what i love about willie is as an as a as a an arranger of music we have what you call pickup notes where it goes dun, 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 right whether it's it's in a in a conjunto song or in a ranchera tra, 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 it's their pickup notes what you call pickup notes and and you always hear that in tejano whether it's whether it's a ranchera whether it's a cumbia i mean a conjunto song and Willie writes that way. Like he, his music, there's a song called Angel to, uh, Flying Too Close to the Ground or something like that. And he has, and you hear that. And those are pickup notes that, that we implemented in Tejano. So people don't realize how really meshed we there's are. There's a vast history. Yes. Yes. People don't know. And yeah. you know how frustrating it is because even as we were talking about the Grammys, do you know how hard it is? You even said it right now. You're like, I, what do I tell them? People ask you, like people that don't know Tejano, like like people in the you know in the Grammys, they're like, well, what is Tejano? Try explaining it to someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tejano. <laughs> you see, how do you explain it? You're well, what do you mean? Oh yeah. shit! Uh... So I think I would have to probably like get several artists and play it for them and get different instruments to for, to make them understand because like we were talking about norteño and tejano i'm not bashing norteño okay uh, i mean i'm i'm not saying that it it, it sucks yeah. you know what i mean but it is very different from tejano exactly uh you know accordions especially 
more, I'm not going to say there aren't any Tejano accordionists that don't use Gabinelli, but majority of Norteño artists, uh, accordionists used Gabinelli. M majority here use Horner accordions. And the sounds are very different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, I had a, an amazing uh, meeting with uh, Matthew Knowles, Dr. Matthew Knowles. If anybody doesn't know who that is, that's Beyonce's father. Um, I had a meeting with him a few months ago because I wanted to pick his brain on on a couple of things that I, I was kind of wanting to, to know uh, where we could help Tejano. And uh, he himself asked me, well, what is the difference between Tejano, Norteño, and regional Mexican? I'm like, well, Norteño and regional Mexican are the same thing. That's the same thing. That's um, my 23 and me, regional Mexican. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, how do you explain it? And why, why are y'all doing so many things? Do just one thing. I'm like, but you're not understanding. That's what the Hano is. Like, yeah. everybody has their own forte of what they implement into their music. Look at Jay. I mean, he implements R&B. Yeah. Uh, Ram implements country. Mm. Me, I do country. I implement mariachi. I do a little bit of like rock and journey and stuff like that in my show. So it's like, yeah, it's honestly, when I talk about Tejano, I tell people it's honestly the music of Texas culture. Like, it's just it's going to tell you from the beginning, like from the, yes. the German settlement through like the building of or the, the just like the migration of the people. Like, it's going to have that influence. And that's what Tejano is. It's just a yeah. beautiful, lyrical and expressive history of Texas. Like yeah, that's just honestly absolutely. what it is. Like I think I think I'm just super passionate about Tejano music. But yeah, that's me. Like, that's me. you know I, I I take it very personal. You know when people like you were saying Jorge, that they were saying Tejano's dead. You know I I take it very personal and it pisses me off. I'm like, well, it's dead, but yet I'm working every weekend. You know it's like <laughs> how is that? You know, um, but I don't know. I, I it, it would take a lot to really educate everyone. But you know when I was with Sony uh you know which is a major major company um uh, they just wanted to put me in regional mexican and and have me stay there um yeah. you know i really fought for you know my going to nashville and um you know vince gill came across my path and and that's how that happened but um you know i don't know i just uh, i just feel like we need to fight for a little bit more um, would, would, you know, there's a lot of times where we get, you know, promoters call us and they want us to go for this money. And we're like, yeah, pennies on the dollar. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, well now, you know, that I'm, I only have one more year to go. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't wheel and deal. This is what, this is what it is. And this is, yeah. take it, you know, I mean, um, but I've had, a couple of events and one not that long ago with a, a local um, bar that um, of course they were trying to be slick and getting all of these artists and I'm talking about top artists, Ram, Sunny, uh, you know, that are big artists and, you know, trying to be slick. And then here I go and I'm like, I call them out and, and uh, you know, grow the balls. And then everybody's like, yeah, Shelly, tell them, tell them. So there I am like vouching for everybody. And then everybody winds up doing the show anyway. 
Mm. Not me. I'm like, you see, that's why they do it because you let them, you let them do that. And we have to just kind of stand our ground a little bit more with people, um, especially veteran artists. I can't say artists have a leg to stand on just yet because they still got to, you know, prove themselves. Go through the ropes. I mean, you do have to have an event where you have new artists, but you do have to have a well-known name. Yeah. That's going to attract people to come. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, I, and they're like, yeah, but we always have to open up at like five in the afternoon. I'm like, uh, welcome to the music business. (laughs) That's how it is. Yeah. A, A spot right before the headliner. When you're starting? <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, you're bringing your own speaker and microphone. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, and I'm not trying to be mean when I'm telling them, but, you know, I, I'll have tell them, look, this is part of, this is part of paying your dues. This is part of what you got to do to get there. Yeah. It doesn't just happen, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll end the Tejano talk, with, oh, not the Tejano talk, but with the talking about it dying. I'll end it in my brother's words, drunk words. Mm-hmm. As long as you play Tejano, Tejano never dies. <laughs> so I, I know you said, when you were speaking earlier, you said, you know, this is my last year. So, so why is this the last year? To answer your question, Victor, um, you know, I knew as a young girl that, you know, music, of course, was my beautiful gift from God that, you know, I'm so very thankful for. I mean, it's provided for me for 40 years, you know, Um, I've been all over the world. I've met thousands and thousands of people. Um, I've played with amazing musicians in Tejano music. Um, But I knew that there was more to me than just, um, and growing up, you know, touring, I was still, you know, because I left right out of high school. Like I went, you know, I, I was touring on the weekends, but I went full time right out of high school, like full time every weekend, like touring out. Because when I was with that local band, they just wanted to stay here. The furthest we went actually was like Dallas. I was the furthest we would go. Oh, wow. And um, but I, I knew that I didn't want to stay just in San Antonio. That's why I quit the band and I went on my own. Um, but. I knew that uh, when I was on the road, I started studying. Uh, I studied uh, fitness and nutrition. I did uh, physical therapy aid. I was trying to find what else I was passionate about um, outside of music. And then, you know, after studying those things, I was like, man, still not really. There's still something in me that I feel like God has want me to do more. I don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is yet. And then my father got sick and, you know, my mom and I became his caretaker. And I was like, I just found it so easy. And uh, I started thinking, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I should be a nurse. You know, maybe I should help people like that because I love helping people. Anyone in this industry that you ask would tell you that I'm always one of the first go-to artists that people come to because I, I, I like to help people. And um, so I started like, you know, God planted that seed in me and six years, which was in 2016 when my father, the year my father died, he and I had a conversation and I was like, dad, you know, I think I know what I want to do, do next. And he's like, well, what is it? And I said, I, I think I want to be a nurse. I think that's what I'm kind of leaning towards. He goes, well, if that's what you're passionate about, then 
That's what you need to do. Because I knew I didn't want to be on the road in my 60s and 70s. And, yeah. um, you know, people ask me why. I mean, I'm in my prime. I can bust out another 10 albums if I wanted to. I can still be on the road if I wanted to. Uh, but I felt, okay, I'm going to celebrate 40 years next year. I'm 50, I just turned 50. Happy belated birthday. Yeah. <laughs> to do something that I'm passionate about, right? So I was like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of being on the road. I've done it since I was 10 years old. And um, so that's when I, I made the decision. I, 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 then I, in 2016, I went and I toured the actual nursing school I wanted to go to. And I was ready. Like, I was like, okay, this is it. And here I was like a dummy thinking, oh, Shelly, you could be on the road and go to nursing school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys know y'all went to college you know what is you know it's a very it's very hard to work and go to school right right and so I'm the type of person like I don't like to have one foot here and one foot here I like to like right so I was like then I started getting super busy on the road like I was on the road my album was doing well um and then COVID hit and I was still okay, you know, um, but that's when I was watching TV and I saw the nurses and I was like, that's it. That is the time. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt. So I made the decision to say, hey, this is going to be 2022 is my last year. I'm going to start school summer next year. And this is the next, gonna, this is going to be the next career. That I'm gonna I'm gonna take on. Are you saying you're gonna be a nurse now? I'm gonna go to nursing school because I want to be in hospice. That's what I want. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, a hospice experience is a beautiful experience, and not a lot of people have that that um, no. that want or yearn for. You have to be spiritually and emotionally strong. You yeah. have to be str- uh, totally understanding with the transition of of life after death yes and to me it's the beginning right um and and being there with my father on and his last breath yeah that was my father that was my family right so you're thinking oh you could do it for your family but can you do it for someone else which is why a lot of uh, people didn't know that five years ago when i talked to my father about going to nursing school uh as if i wasn't busy enough i decided to do caretaking twice a week oh so wow. I I became a caretaker because I wanted to make sure that I was okay with caring for someone outside my family. I knew I was going to love it. And I did. I like, I fell in love with it. I I treated my patients with, you know, like they were, I treated them like they were glass and I cared for them on every level. And uh, my last patient that I had for three years, uh, her husband wasn't even my patient and he just wanted me and he was in hospice. And I was the one he wanted. So I was there for a lot of different, and a few of my patients were in hospice when I cared for them. So I saw what it is. And, you know, I, I, I saw them take their last breaths and, you know, transition. Um, so even more so, I knew it. I was like, this is it. This is what God is calling me to do. I just feel that as a human being, I feel like there's more for me to do. Yeah. And that's the beauty about being a human, isn't it? That yes. we're constantly adapting and evolving. And, and yes. there's no restriction on who we can be and who we can grow to be. 
Yeah. And they're like, because, you know, if I have to, because music is rewarding. Okay. Like, like y'all said, it's, it's built memories for you. Right. So that's like the under, to me, that is the, the root of why I've done music because I've helped create memories for people through my music. Okay. Whether they were depressed, whether they were getting married, whether they were just partying with their family, they were playing my music, where they were driving in their cars, singing at the top of their lungs. <clears throat> I was part of their lives. Music, my music has become part of people's lives regardless. And it will always be part of the Hana music history. But if I have to say, you know, when people say, but why are you going to give that up, you know, to be a nurse? I'm like, because if at the end of the day, all I'm remembered for is music, I didn't do something right. Uh, Me. And um, I just feel like God has really, really planted this passion. And I don't feel like you have to really know something in order to do it. I feel like you can see something that you want to and learn it and do it. But people have their minds programmed that they can only do one thing in life. Just like you said, Victor, you can do whatever you want to do. Your life is God. God gave us this life to do whatever we want, you know, and hopefully people do it positively, but not everybody does. Some people go their whole life without living to their fullest potential as a human being. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I feel like I, there's a lot more room for me to grow. Is it scary? Absolutely. I mean, I haven't been in school in over 30 years. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it's like, um, it, but I'm not going to let that stop me. You know, it's just, I'm not going to let my fear and, and uh, hesitation, like, you know, stop me from living the next dream. But I have life goals outside of music. I do definitely. Here's the crazy thought that I'm kind of like thinking about right now, as you're saying all this, a lot of, and when you said like, I can't believe you're going to, people are saying, I can't believe you're going to give this up. You hear a lot of the, a lot of times of the people that give up their, their day job for, uh, for a passion that they have, and then they make it big. Mm -hmm. You're kind of on the opposite end of this where, You've made it big. You've lived this crazy career, talented career. uh, And then you're going to go ahead and do something selfless and help others, which, by the way, who knows how many thousands or millions of people you've helped through your music alone. Um, So even even like just talking to Monica Saldivar, like um, just here and there conversations. Uh, through text, the way she speaks about you and the help that you've provided for her, like it just speaks, I don't know, beyond words to like what you've probably done for people and you don't even know already. So, well, I, I, I get a lot of, I get a lot of messages from, from people telling me, um, you know, whether they were, you know, alcoholics or whatever, and my music helped them through their you know, um, through their process of getting better and sober. Um, I've had people tell me that they've, you know, been suicidal and they listen to my music and it makes them feel better. I've had young kids who are gay and afraid to tell their families and they reach out to me. I mean, I I get these messages, trust me. And, um, you know, music is very therapeutic. Absolutely. When I had my patients, 
I was always playing music for them, not necessarily my music, but I was just playing music for them. And, uh, you know, just to see how healing it is. Yes, it's it's still that's still a gift that I'm going to still have. You know, I'm not I'm not it's not going to go away. It's yeah. always going to be a passion and I'm still going to be on the sidelines, uh, you know, to be mentor. I'm still going to be producing. I'm still going to be writing, which is really what I enjoy more. Uh, if you're talking about the music, I would rather be producing and arranging and writing music in the studio rather than being on stage. I'll take that any day over being on stage. Not that I don't enjoy being on stage, but I love the creative process. I love starting something from the beginning and hearing how it just evolves. Um, so I'm still going to do that later on after I get my feet wet in nursing. Um, you know, I still own my own record labels. So I have plans on, you know, working with other artists and stuff like that later on down the line. But right now, I really have to do this for me. First, as far as schooling, yeah. um, I always wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to college. I did. As a kid, I wanted to go to college. But God took me in the, you know, on the road university, like I call it. And, and that's where I learned everything I know. And I'm so glad I did because it really has taught me perseverance, resilience, strength, determination. Um, you know, and who knows, you know, if I would have, would have been this strong, had I taken another path early on in life, but I couldn't ignore the, you know, the calling I had for music at the time. And I'm, I'm so glad I did it because like I said, I, I mean, my, my music will be part of the Hano music history in its own way. Uh, uh, my music will always live on in this genre. Well, Shelly, I I said I was going to honor your time commitments. Uh, I feel like there's so much more to still talk about. Um, I was, next, the other thing before I let you go, like I like if you're waiting for my permission, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, um, I want to talk about how we can help promote women, not just in Tejano, but like in any kind of genre, but for sure because something that you know when I was reading about you. You're a big promoter of women in Tejano. And so I just want to know how we can help that out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, these, you guys reaching out, doing these interviews, uh, bringing the spotlight to the artists are, is very important. Um, you know, because they, they, if they're fans of your podcast and, you know, they're like, well, who is this person that you're bringing on? You know, there's so many talented ones. And, um, you know, that, that's another way, not only for people to hear the music, but for them to gain the experience of doing interviews and whatnot, because uh, one of the things that, um, you know, Shellshock Records 3 is my label that I own. And I always said that when the day comes that I sign my first artist, they're going to know the ins and outs of every element that, that has to go into being an artist. They're not, not just the glam and the taking pictures and the, you know, the social media I'm talking about, the business aspect, um, you know, uh, song publishing, songwriting, um, and the list goes on, doing interviews, um, all these things, how to promote yourself. But um, I think the more that you guys kind of, you know, um, incorporate some of the women into your podcast whenever you can, I think it's a big help. Um, you know, we always say call and request the music. Um, and then we've always heard people say, well, they call and request, but then they say they don't have it. Um, you know, so we run into that problem as well, but 
I can honestly say that I'm very proud of the women's, the movement, if you will, that has taken place in this genre because we have been overshadowed so much. I mean, we're, there's a lot of us and, and a lot of us are good. You know, Stephanie Montiel, Elie Darmena have been in this industry over 25 years apiece. So, you know, it's important that fans know this and, and get the because Selena is such a huge force. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that she's competed with us, but we've gotten, we've all gotten overshadowed mm-hmm. by that because people think, oh, there's, that's only, of course, there's only going to be one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, we're not here trying to be like her, you know, just like there's only going to be one Monica Saldiva. There's only going to be one Ellie. There's only going to be one Shelly. There's, we're all different. We're all different. And that's what I love about the women right now. It's because all of the women are different. They all have something to bring to the table. And I tell the girls, you're all queens. We're all queens. Yeah. And we all deserve to get a shot at being heard. And uh, that's when I use my voice uh, when it comes to how long I've been in the business, how respected uh, I've, I am. And um, I don't do it ugly, but, you know, sometimes it takes me calling that station and that program director and saying, hey, you know, so-and-so said they sent you the music, you know, what's happening? And they'll be like, oh, Shelly, well, okay. And they add it, you know, but not everybody is willing to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? I don't know, but I'm just responsible for me and all I can speak is for myself, but continue to, you know, like I said, involve them into your podcast if you can. And, um, you know, the more people hear and see the, the girls, the better, but they got to do their part too. You know, they, they have to promote themselves. And I work every day every day at my career, just because I've been doing it almost 40 years, doesn't mean that I stop. Consistency is key. I tell the girls, you have to be consistent. You have to stay relevant in this game. Um, You know, you always have to give them fans something to look forward to. Um, You know, and I've just been very blessed that my fans and I have a great rapport I'm very, I'm very open with my fans. I've never tried to, you know, hide who I am, whether it's me on a, on stage or me off stage or my personal life, you know, which you don't have to bring people into your personal life. You really don't, Right. but, but they got to do their part too and promote yeah. themselves. So hopefully they will. You said one thing uh, that I was actually before, before I had asked this question about women in Tejano, I had asked my wife, how do I transition? Because I want to be able to transition to that conversation of women in Tejano. And I had this uh, thought of, of, you know, making a joke first about Chris Perez, uh being <laughs> in your band and then going to Selena's. And so I was like, well, maybe she was the one that truly discovered Chris Perez. Uh, just well, as we were. <laughs> I, I, it wasn't a joke. We did. Oh, there it is. <laughs> John, if you're watching this, see? I was yeah. right. <laughs> did uh you know uh, a lot of fans um you know knew how close we were and you know that we'd been friends since we were 10 years old and um i i'm very selective on things that i talk about because first of all that was my friend and some of those memories are just my memories and always meant to stay my memories mm-hmm. uh, and also i never want people to feel like i'm trying to capitalize on our friendship because 
I don't need to do that. Okay, right. I've done. There's that. enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 really, what the what I the the one she asked me not to not to use was. I've always wondered this, and even before you know meeting Monica and talking to her about Tejano and women in Tejano. I always wondered if women weren't so prominent in Tejano or have had a hard time in it, was it because Selena just overshadowed everybody? And and I'm um, obviously I've never had anybody to ask that or you know. Yeah, well, she yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, not not that she didn't deserve to be on the top because you know, as we know, I mean, her 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 talent was amazing, right? Um, but. In all fairness, there are a lot of things. If you're talking about artist to artist, okay, not the names, we're talking artist to artist. There were a lot of things she didn't do that some of us have done. Mm -hmm. For one, she didn't play instruments, okay? Um, you know, two, she didn't record country music. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that. In all fairness, you know, if you want to, if people, but then when you compare artists, like, it's like comparing apples to oranges. Okay. You just, you yeah. have two separate things, yeah. but, um, but she came from the name and her at that time, you know, she had a very powerful record company. Um, her father, you know, was a very powerful man. So of course he wasn't going to allow any of us yeah. to be, to skyrocket. Okay, that wasn't going to happen, not on their time. So, you know, yeah, of course, a lot of us got overshadowed. Uh, not not just me, but I mean, a lot of a lot of us did. Um, and and I mean, again, it's not to say that we're knocking her and that she didn't deserve to, but a lot of us have done. But remember, you cannot forget this. Yes, yeah, she's still, you know, her legacy is still breaking down barriers and and creating such a fan base that is worldwide worldwide but in everyone's eyes she's still 23 okay and here we are i'm 50 she'd be 50 right now yeah and we're still doing the damn thing you know what i mean so yeah. we're still out there doing it as well but um as far as chris yeah um you know he joined my band in 87 88 and uh he came from jefferson high school he went to school with my cousin, Tony. And when my father was putting our band together, uh, daddy said um, that he wanted guys that we can mold, that, that, that we could teach the Hano. So he found Chris and a couple of other guys. And, you know, Chris didn't know a lick of shit from, the, you know, he didn't know nothing about the Hano. He didn't know how to strum. He didn't know how to strum. He didn't know how chord progressions, but he was a very good musician. So, you know, we actually sat down and went over, you know, strumming techniques when it came to rancheras and cumbias. And, and that's when they first met, um, you know, like in passing, like, hey, this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. They were not interested in each other at all until way later, way later, way later. Um, but, you know, that's that's one of the things that it's so hard when you have like the series and the movie and the books and blah, 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 yeah. is that they're very Hollywood. Okay. So yeah. you cannot believe every single thing that you read and hear. Okay. Yeah. So he did not go from me to her. Um, I, I didn't, I've never watched the movie. I've never watched the series. I've never read a book. Okay. Why? When I was there, 
<laughs> yeah. First hand. That's why I don't read books either. <laughs> you know, writing about someone, it's... Um, but when I did hear about this series that came out um, and I got wind that I was going to be part of this series, I'm not going to lie, guys, it made me a little nervous. Um, yeah. Because I was like, well, who's going to speak on our behalf as friends other than me? Yeah. Who well, was there? They, yeah, they want to <laughs> pit you against each other. Exactly. And so, um, you know, I was like, man, if, but I, do, I, will, I will tell you this. I mean, I'm not 10 years old anymore. Like when we met, okay, I was, I'm an adult, I'm a woman. <laughs> and uh, it's like, it better not be false. It better not be negative. If it was going to be parts of our friendship, yeah. you see what I'm saying? And and so I was like, I was ready, man. I was like, I didn't I was going to speak up, to be honest. I really was. If that if that was going to happen, which it didn't. Um, but I know in the series, they made it seem like, uh, uh, you know, A.B. was trying to take Chris from us. And, um, but he didn't. He, he actually was with me for about a couple of years. And went with Albert Tiger Diaz, who was with La Sombra. And then he went with Patsy Torres. And then he went with Selena, which was a few years later. Yeah. But uh, to mention that, because everybody does. They're like, oh, well, he took her. They took her from you, <laughs> took him from you. And I'm like, no, guys, that's not how it happened. It didn't it's, happen it's that the, Lati- the Latino one for dramatization. <laughs> we like well, a good telenovela. <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of boring, but, you know, and, you know, they, I know they want me to share things and I'm like, but what kind of a friend would I be? Yeah. You know, I short, shared things that she confided in me. And that's dumb. I would never do that. Um, but yeah, he, um, we definitely did bring him into this game and he, you know, there's been times where he has said, yeah, you know, that had it not been for our band that, you know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have married her. He wouldn't have been in this industry and all of these things. But I mean, he's no doubt a very talented guy. I mean, an amazing musician, amazing musician. That's for sure. For sure. Um, Shelly, uh, before we ask you that final question, uh, I know we're getting really close to your time, but where I know you, there's a new album out and is it LMD 82? LMD 82. Well, I just, I was called Shelly Lawrence and then they called me Little Miss Dynamite. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, that's so long. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wanted to abbreviate everything. So I went to LMD, you know, Little Miss Dynamite. That so right. LMD is Little Miss Dynamite. 82 is the year I started in Tejano. Nice. So, and I will tell you this. I'm very heavily influenced by Wonder Woman. Okay. I am a Wonder Woman fanatic so when i saw ww84 i was like oh yeah we got to do lmd82 so we can name that (laughs) (laughs) from um you know since it's the final album um i went back to my orchestra um influence uh it was just everything was full circle here we go with the evolution of music but you know had i not evolved I wouldn't have had Gone as a Bisarte. I wouldn't have had Soy Tu Amor if I'd have stayed just doing orchestra music. Mm. But no, I'm back and um, 
do a little bit of it's it's all brass oriented as far as you know the instrumentation of what we're doing on the album but all of the but the songs are different styles like i did salsi puedes which was originally a big band like big band from the 30s uh the song was uh originally done in 1937 so i brought that back because i love big band music see that's another influence of mine um i redid mil vessels which was one of my biggest hits in 2000 I did it the original version, which is a bolero um, from 1954, if not early, with has a feel of Los Panchos. It's a bolero. Um, then I did straight up Tejano Rancheras, Cumbias. Um, and then I did an R&B song that has brass in there as well, because, you know, I love doing rock and Bonnie Raitt style type songs. Oh, nice. So it's a little bit of everything, but... Um, it is on my website. You can, you can, if you still like the physical copies, the hard CDs, which a lot of our Tejano fans, speaking of the, the change of Tejano, we're kind of like in the middle still. You know, we still have fans that want that CD. Yeah. Hey, I still have the list, the, the little car pack in my, <laughs> of CDs. There you go. I mean, and you know, cassettes are coming back, y'all. I yeah. mean. I'm not going to do cassettes. I still. <laughs> And actually, where I manufacture my music, um, they were telling me that they're pretty high in demand right now. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, but, you know, this, this is the final album. So it is on my website, which is ShellyLattice.online. Um, or you can download it on all digital platforms as well. But um, that's what it stands for. Little Miss Dynamite 82. Nice. And the, the final tour is running all the way through December 2022. My New Year's Eve. That'll New be Year's the last Eve. hurrah. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, I'm working out a couple things. <laughs> I know. Yes. I, I mean, of course, you know, with Dallas, Fort Worth, the Metroplex has always been one of my strongest uh, areas, continues to be. Um, you know, of course, we're going to hit the area next year, next year. And, you know, still putting a lot of things together. I'm being very, very, very selective on my shows for next year. It's not going to be like, you know, how we were every weekend. It's yeah. going to be only the top notch, yeah. you know, uh, monies, of course, and shows uh, is what we're going to do. I mean, I'm heading out of state next next year. I've got to Colorado and stuff like that. And probably my last year in Vegas. Uh, so I'll be doing Vegas again one more year. But um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. And uh, am I, I'm going to miss it. I mean, Hello. Um, I've done it since I was 10. Everybody's like, oh, you're going to miss it. I'm like, well, duh. I mean, yeah. Sure. But but life goes on, man. I mean, you know, we got to we got to I'm ready for the next chapter of my life. That's really what I'm ready for. And the next chapter is full of selfless helping other people. And that's such an amazing thing that you're doing. Truly appreciate well, it. I appreciate your time here. There's one more question. I know we're cutting real short, but that's OK. Victor, would you do the honors? What, Shelly Lattice, will you tell us your too hard, too fast story? Oh, man, I have so many of them. Oh, gosh. Well, I love to tell road stories. A lot of people don't really know what happens to us on the road, but I'm going to tell you a little cheat. Since Victor was wanting to know cheese, man. I like a telenovela. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we have a lot of, Grupo Mas fans, you know, um, Grupo Mas, La Mafia, La Sombra, 
were the three uh, big Tejano bands that I toured with when I first went full-time on the road. I opened up for them. And uh, our first, um, I met, actually, I met Mas, I met Joe Lopez and Jimmy when I was 10 years old, uh, 11, 11. We did a song that was kind of like We Are the World. It was called Somos Tejanos. And um, I was standing next to him. Um, I was 10, years, I mean, 10 or 11. I was been very short for my age. And I remember I started singing and he like, like, man, you got a strong voice for being so small. And then later on, I opened up for them. But our first performance together was in Eagle Pass. Eagle Pass. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I had to, that's why I had to say this story because it happened there. Um, what was the name of the ballroom? There was two, uh, Moonlight and there was another one. Oh, oh man. God. They had no something. Okay. Oh. But it was know. back in the day, yeah. so. We but only had two. Okay, so not Moonlight, but the other one. The other okay. one. Okay. And so we opened up, and at this time, this was 1990, so I had a, a, a really good hit called Ojitos Negros, that Eagle Pass, man, they, they freaking played that song all the time. So we were excited, you know, we were opening up for Moss, and this time we were driving the school bus. We were in a school bus. Oh, wow. And father, like, halved it. The front half. <laughs> You know, mom and I sat on lawn chairs and he like a flatbed where the guys would just lay and we would lift up the thing and put the suitcases underneath. And in the back was our equipment. Right. So we were here we go pulling up in our school bus and we're playing and the fans are dancing. And, you know, Moss at the time, they used to have like 250 freaking lights, dude. Big old system. Right. Well, they were generous enough to let us use four lights. Uh, <laughs> Red and two green, photo Christmas yeah. at this. And so not even aiming at us, right? So like we're in the dark. We're, 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 we're jamming, right? So we're playing and we're playing. And all of a sudden, they keep telling us, keep playing because they're not here yet. Keep playing because they're not. And we're like, as we learned later, that was their routine, okay? They would show up late. So, you know, we keep playing. Well, then the, the dance floor is packed. And so their, their roadie turns on the fog machine, right? Doesn't turn it off. So, like, we can't see nothing. We can't see each other. We can't see the fans. All of a sudden, everybody in, the, in, in Eagle Pass starts getting their hands and, like, like, banging on the table that they couldn't see us, right? So, literally, y'all, like, I'm not just figuratively speaking. I'm talking literally when the smoke cleared. My father is like right in front of the stage and he just goes, right? So I'm playing. And he's like, Bobinos, we're going to, these, these, damn it. They, I mean, you're talking all kinds of words came from my father's mouth. And he's like, just grab all the cords, grab everything. We're leaving. And so we're like, you know, all freaking out and, and, and we're carrying everything. We're throwing everything in the school bus. And then here they come in this beautiful, brand new, shiny bus. And they pull up and, and my dad's eyeballing that bus, man. He's like, you know, just looking. <laughs> and don't you know that, you know, they parked their security, you know, standing by the door. My father <laughs> goes over there, pushes the security guard out of the way, opens their bus. And we can see in the bus because their lights are on at this time. So we see my father like going in the bus and photosito Jimmy, God rest your soul, Jimmy. He was sitting. <laughs> All I see is my father like. <laughs> I'm 
jumps out and he's like, let's get out of here. And my dad like did a like freaking donuts in that parking lot. We were hanging out in the school bus and stopped and we parked and he's like, all right, guys, let's go, let's go fix everything in the back. And he's like, there, nobody's going to treat my daughter like that. Nobody's going to do that to you. And um, the moral of the story is we, you know, don't, don't underestimate the opening band because the following week we played in Dallas. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I don't know. It, it was One a club. That, it was called La Bamba. It was on Lemon Street. Um, and it used to be an old like gym, I guess, because it had a, a swimming pool and that was where people would go dance down there. And uh, so anyway, we, we had to play with them again. And we had our equipment set up. So we were going to use our own stuff this time. Well, their equipment truck broke. And guess whose equipment they had to use? Oh, wow. <laughs> they never did it to us again. After that, you know, we all became really good friends and, you know, the respect level. But, you know, you have to kind of, you know, yeah. stand your ground. But I just had to share an Eagle Pass and a Dallas story because... It's so ironic that that's one of my stories, and both of y'all are in, or you're from there, and you're in, you're there. So <laughs> that is perfect. Uh, that's the perfect perfect way to end this podcast episode. Uh, Shelly Lattice, one more time, thank you very much for being or taking the time to talk to us. Yes. Um, so, with that, people check out her last album. Check her out on her final tour. She's doing it big. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to go big for the last one, right? Yeah, I got to go. <laughs> and everybody's sad, but don't be sad, y'all. I mean, like I said, my music's going to be here, and yeah. I'm going to be on the sidelines still. You might hear me. I'm doing a lot of collaborations right now, so I have a lot of uh, uh, a few of them coming out, and you'll still hear it. But, yeah, visit my website. I do want you guys to go check it out. I'll be having some new merchandise uh, up on the website next week. Um, it's ShellyLottis.online. And, um, you know, that's one of the things. Yeah, we got caps, we have koozies, we have T-shirts. And the you can buy the actual hard copy CD as well if you want it. Awesome. Speaking of koozies, uh, only the guests get koozies. Yay! So, um, offline, or I'll message you and give me a good address. <laughs> I'll send them out to you. Uh, we don't have merchandise for sale or anything like that yet, but... Well, I like your shirt. That's a nice shirt. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, actually, I have a shirt for Monica that I need to give her, so... Oh, you Maybe. still haven't given her to tell her? She's going to be in San Antonio this weekend. I'm going to let her know. I told her she would be the only one, but you know what? Uh, for Shelly Lattice, I will make another exception and make one for you as well. <laughs> me everybody likes to send you their merch and i always wear it and they're like where'd you get that where'd you get that so i'll send people over to whoever i'm wearing i refer them to whatever they're doing and it always works so you get free advertisement perfect so i'll make one i'll send it to you as well Um, okay with that said victor last words um shelly huge fan thank you so much for letting me be a part of this conversation jorge um shelly i love your stories and i'm a fan i'm gonna continue listening farewell or not (laughs) (laughs) well i am i do want to tell y'all though that i am uh releasing um my my christian album um next year 
um, that is that more is only more so like my ultimate thank you to God for giving me the opportunity to do music for so long. So that's more of my little gift, my gift to him, you know, to sing and praise his name through music. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. But no, like I said, you're going to be hearing collaborations still, I'm sure. They're trying to squeeze them out of me before I retire. Everybody's like, can we do a collaboration? I even did a, a rap collaboration the other day. So oh, it's wow. like, oh, yeah. I want to hear Shady Ladders rap. <laughs> I didn't rap. Uh, I just wrote. No, Tavin Bot or nothing. I almost said it. <laughs> I don't think I can do that. I can do the, I can write the beats and I can write the music, the, the hook, <laughs> not the rapping part, but, but thank you guys so much for having me on. And, um, you know, it was a pleasure talking to y'all. Um, thank you for real, uh, for, for supporting Tejano and for loving it so much. And, um, you know, we can't do it with, with people like you guys. Um, you know, you're keeping it alive and doing it through the, through the new age of technology with a podcast, which can reach, you know, out of the world which is amazing so continued success for the show and to you guys individually and your families and you know god willing i'll i'll get to see y'all out on the road Amen. for sure for sure <laughs> and sorry i missed you on your big 5-0 celebration that's all right I'll, I'll <laughs> my son, my son was getting his first haircut in a long time <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but with that said uh remember better be you better be weird cheers Mm, cheers <laughs> boring stuff yeah <laughs> this is just sweet tea <laughs> yeah uh well, see you guys later uh i don't know i already messed up the whole closure but i appreciate it bye oh, very nice you meeting you, so i'm guys gonna be looking out for your tour dates because i'm gonna go <laughs> yeah please go <laughs> and go and i don't want a freebie i'm gonna go i'm gonna take it yeah. Uh, <laughs> but thank you guys. Y'all y'all take care, okay? Yes. Blessings. Bendicion. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.